Ladies and gentlemen, this is the voice of TBT, Bob Rathbun, welcoming you to another edition of Inside TBT. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Joey. Welcome back to Inside TBT. We're diving into season three. We had a little preview of season three earlier this year with Kiefer Sykes, but we are now all in on season three and we kick things off with Eric Collins, play-by-play for the Hornets and did play-by-play for TBT last summer. You may remember his iconic friend camp. That was him. And he joins the show. Joey, how great is Eric Collins? The maybe the most enthusiastic guest we've ever had, just in terms of his the, the inflection in his voice. Um, yeah, it was a blast. I mean, he's a uh, if anybody's listening, he's a Chicago sports fan. He used to do you know sideline reporting for the Bulls. He's a Chicago guy, so it was cool for us to to hear you know from a guy who's from our neck of the woods talking hoops and everything. There's so many Bulls related topics that we get into like by accident, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we just had a blast with him. He's awesome. We want maybe the first guy in a long, long time. And granted, you know, Kiefer Sykes and the guys like them are, are great, but we could have talked to him forever. We had like, we were laughing. We were, we had, it was just so, oh, it was a blast, but we got, we, we got to keep it short and sweet for the people at home so we can have them on another time. Yeah. And as mentioned, on Twitter, basically what we're looking to do with season three is, you know, March, April, we're going to talk to you guys. We're going to put out content, but we're really going to be focusing on like, what are people doing right now? What are these people up to since we last heard from TBT to now? And then as we hit, you know, end of April, early May, June, we're going to be breaking news. We're going to be giving you content. We're going to have players on. We're going to have coaches on. We're going to have head coaches of schools that the players went to on all that stuff. But we want to give you, we want to take you inside TBT. And that's what we're going to do. Stories, news, all that. I actually got some breaking news sent to me last night. Um, I predicted it. I told you what it is, Joe. I predicted it. Right, I know. But I was back. It is huge. We'll tease it right now. It is huge TBT news. Like literally ginormous. Tournament changing? Tournament changing. Tournament changing news. Massive news. I'm not going to say anything else. I don't want to give it away. I was asked by the source not to leak it yet. But huge, 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 huge news. I'm not even going to give any other hints because I have a hint that I want to say. but then It's just massive news. Massive news. Huge. Huge. But let's get to Eric Collins. As Joey mentioned, super fun guy, super fun interview. Talk about everything. Every, like, you name it, we probably covered it. One thing we didn't do with him is we didn't ask, ask him to ask us questions because we're going to have him on again, and we'll do it then. So let's get to Eric Collins. All right, join us now on Inside TBT, play-by-play announcer for the Hornets and TBT over the summer, Eric Collins. Welcome to the show. Hey, man, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm already excited because the Hornets are playing good basketball right now, but I'm excited to think that I still get a chance to watch good basketball in the summer, too. You're wetting my whistle right now. 
<laughs> it is definitely hoop season. We are in March. People are talking about March Madness. Obviously, there's there's no better time of the year for basketball unless you're a TBT fan and looking forward to the to the summertime. You know, Eric, we'll get into your uh, your Hornets gig here here soon. But first, you're here to talk TBT basketball. I mean, you have the floor. Tell us why you love TBT so much. You know what? I, I think, first of all, I'm a big believer in watching grown men. Like, I like adults. You know, I think it's really fun to see guys who are, you know, between 25 and, and 35, you know, who have been playing overseas, guys that know the tricks, guys that, you know, have it between the ears. Um, you know, I love watching guys play the game the right way. And I think the TBT does that. You know, guys play in Europe and they're doing all these different things or they're playing with buddies that they've known for 25 years. And there's just a synergy that I just like watching. It's good basketball. And then, of course, obviously the knee jerk that everyone has says, the Elam it, it, To me, it changes the way you watch a game because a lot of great players play the game, but only a select few can make a shot when it counts for something. And even if you're not playing for a million bucks, it's to win and move on towards that million bucks. And I just thought that that was just so illuminating last year, watching some of the best players in the world not want to take a shot. You know, end of the game, and they're like, ah, you take it. And I just think that it adds such a wonderful dimension. And so I just uh, – I think that the TBT is just phenomenal for the space that it occupies. Eric, something I like about you as a, as a broadcaster, and I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan, so sometimes when watching League Pass, I'll tune into the Hornets broadcast, see what you guys are saying. But you get excited from big plays no matter what team it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what was great about TBT is you really didn't have a dog in the fight. So you were really getting fired up. How fun was that for you to just like be able to be a legit basketball fan and have no ulter ulterior motives? You know what? I had a lot of pent up uh, rage because I did five years with the Los Angeles Dodgers and all I did was the road games. So there's no such thing as a walk off win when you're the road team. So I did five years with LA and not once that I call like an exciting game ender. And then I was with the Hornets. So my first couple of years, we were historically bad in games decided by three points or less. Like we just generally didn't win. And we were like, we lost 14 consecutive games over the window of two years. They were decided by one possession. So I had all of this pent up energy. And then over the last couple of years, the Hornets have started to win a little more close games. And then I got that TBT experience where every single game is guaranteed to be decided on the last second shot. So uh, a lot of years and years and years of pent up emotion has been spewing out, but it feels good to get it out. Is it safe to say that the Elam ending really is kind of your dream as a broadcaster? I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, we've had like Bob Rathbun on and he's awesome and we love him, but for you who, you know, you, everything you do is based around the big play. That's how you get on ESPN. That's how you get all these guys tweeting about you is the Elam ending. Like, that's like God's gift to you as an announcer. Oh, it is. I would. You know, I, I didn't really understand it until I experienced it. But knowing that it's either going to be one team or the other team is going to have something exciting and happen every single game, it's, it's made for me. And, and I love it. And uh, Connor Frankamp will always be near and dear to me because he was my very first Elam ending winner. And uh, once I saw that, I was hooked. <laughs> So obviously you got LaMelo who got to play in the all-star game and was in down the stretch in the all-star game this year, which was very cool. But have you found yourself throughout the season since last summer being like, Ooh, that guy with the Neelam ending would be pretty dangerous. Who are some NBA guys outside of the all-stars that you think would excel in the Elam ending? Well, first of all, 
I got a chance to do Kiefer Sykes' first game in the NBA. And Kiefer Sykes hit the Elam ending of all Elam endings last year to win it for Bayheim's Army. And I have always had a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for the kid because he's not a kid anymore. He's a grown man playing big-time basketball. But Kiefer is a Chicago kid uh, who I've been following for many years. I totally know all about the story. He's a guy who just refuses to give up the basketball. And when he got to the NBA and I got a chance to call his first game, it kind of felt like everything was coming full circle. So I don't think anyone has been as excited about the ninth guy coming off the bench for the Indiana Pacers as I was when Keeper Sykes came into the game. And I was just hoping that some bizarre thing would happen in the world where he'd get a chance to make an important shot and didn't happen. Um, but in terms of an Elam ending, I think the NBA, to me, the most clutch guy, and he's not necessarily a three-point shooter, but I think the most clutch guy is Chris Paul. I love watching Chris Paul and what he does in the fourth quarter, just taking over games. And I know he's hurt right now, but I think he's going to be healthy enough to, for the Suns' playoff run. And I can just – I think the time is now. I think it's perfect. I think the basketball gods want Chris Paul, who has played the game the right way, who's got the clutch gene, who has just never really had an opportunity because of injuries or because of bad luck or bad teams. I think that Chris Paul is my dream to see this year make a couple of game winners on his way to an NBA championship. And, yeah, if he had an Elam ending each and every night, I'm telling you, he would never pass the ball. He would if there was a layup. But because he's a brilliant passer and a wonderful team player. But that guy has got some absolute guts, and uh, he is never afraid of any moment. Okay, so then if not Chris Paul, if you could have anybody, who would you want shooting shooting the Elam ending? Yeah, I understand Chris Paul is perfect because he's going to make the right basketball play. He's a great passer. He's a great shooter. He's very clutch. Give us, a, give us another guy just because, you know, CP3 is injured right now. So give us another all guy. Right, well, the greatest of all time, and obviously he hadn't played in a couple of decades, but the greatest of all time who I would hand the ball to every single time and never even doubt it would be Michael. You know, Michael Jordan, to me, will always be the best clutch player ever in any sport. I just six, – six championships in six appearances in the finals. So my all-time Elam ending guy would be Michael Jordan. Uh, but another guy, maybe outside the box, um, I really like Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry is another guy like a Chris Paul who steps up in big moments and he can make any shot that you need. He can get to the basket. He can get fouled. He can make the mid-ranger. He's got deep range. Uh, he's another guy who I think plays the game the right way. And he's got basketball karma on his side. And uh, I'd give him the ball for my Elam ending if I didn't have Chris Paul available. I think respectfully, I would have never guessed that you would have said Kyle Lowry. <laughs> he's got an NBA championship. Yeah. Six-time all-star. He's a stud. You just hit a game here like three nights ago, too. So I can't I can't blame you. I can't blame you. Well, you guys are Chicago guys. You're probably thinking DeMar DeRozan all the time, but well, I guess I, former Raptor teammate. I figure I figured that was a layup for you to say DeRozan, especially when you said MJ first. I was like, oh, here's the, the classic transition <laughs> into DeRozan. But I mean, we the guy I always say is Dame, and, and he's not top of mind because you know he's hurt right now. But I remember when when you know the first real year that it was branded as the Elam ending in the NBA when it was in Chicago, you know we posed the question, "Who's going to hit the Elam ender?" And I said Dame, and he did. So that's my guy now forever. Is it's always Dame. There's no way. So he can hit a little sidestep, deep three, wave at the crowd. I mean, come on, like uh, uh, that's that's always been my guy. I guess maybe we should get a little bit of love to Steph Curry just because of how sick his range is and his ability to make any any single shot you could possibly ever want. But yeah, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm staying with Kyle Lowry. I like it. Can you imagine if Steph Curry would needed three points to win the Elam ending? He would 
you'd have to pick him up full court because he it legitimately <laughs> it's not a bad shot for him to shoot a, like a standstill half quarter if they needed three points. Like it's legitimately, I feel like it's maybe a 40% chance it goes in. Like that's pretty high. It's crazy. He changed the game. He is an incredible, incredible athlete with the most unbelievable hand-eye coordination, maybe of any athlete in the top three sports in North America in our lifetimes. It is, I don't think he gets enough respect for how different and unusual he is because he's an average human being walking down the street. So if he has a mask on, he could be anyone walking to the, you know, here in Washington Library, you, you just don't know. But underneath that is just a super, super, unbelievably indescribable talent. A couple guys on your team that uh, or your team on the Hornets that have indescribable talent. And I, I want to ask this, but I'll just say it. I feel like you said MJ because he's always lurking. You know, you never know when he's going <laughs> to pop in and say, why didn't you say me for the, but so you got the Hornets got LaMelo and Miles Bridges. I mean, I can't think of two better guys for someone like yourself to call every single game for. I mean, the Bulls, you mentioned it, DeRozan, Levine, but I, I can't imagine there's a team out there that has more highlights than Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like, you know, this year with both those guys, not as rookies? Yeah, it's, um, I, I got super lucky. You know, they always say that a rising tide raises all boats. And, and clearly with the Hornets rising, you know, I think people have discovered what we're doing here in the broadcast level as well. Uh, I, I just think the world of Miles Bridges. I think that that guy... First off, 6'6", 235 pounds, you know, it works basically any sport you'd ever want to play. But the fact that he may be the most he, – he is, he is the most ambidextrous person in the NBA. You know, he was born right-handed, broke his right arm, started shooting lefty. The only thing he does left-handed is free throws and threes. Anytime he's inside the arc, it is with the right hand, it's spinning. It's crazy. No one knows how to defend the guy. And to top it off, he is a sponge for information, and he's a great dude. So it's so easy to get excited, so easy to root for the guy. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that I've had a chance to see every single game he's played at the pro level for four years. Um, but, yeah, I got lucky. But it has changed me as a broadcaster. You know, I used to do a lot of baseball, and I was a sideline reporter for the Bulls back in the day. So my passion is, is kind of factoids and stories and, and kind of weird coincidences and relationships. And I kind of got to put that in the back burner when LaMelo and Miles are on the floor because you just have no clue when the next highlight's going to happen. You know, it's not standard issue, bring the ball over across the timeline, you know, look around and, you know, make three passes on the perimeter, wait for a cutter and look for a layup. It is, bent the ball's in bounds, LaMelo's looking to throw a three-quarter court pass, you know, or he's going to bounce it, you know, to, to Miles Bridges who's going to catch it off the bounce with an alley. So it, it has changed me as a broadcaster because you have to strictly be aware of your play-by-play because anytime you veer off, they're going to have some funky play that you're going to miss. So, so let me ask a follow-up question kind of to that. Obviously, the biggest moments in basketball are, is a buzzer beater. And then everyone knows that, hey, like that's going to be on Center tomorrow. When you think about, you know, MJ's last shot or you think about LeBron against the Bulls, which is one of the first buzzer beaters that comes to mind because I know exactly where I was uh, and what I was doing, just like when D. Rose hit the shot the night before, right? So um, – for you, buzzer beaters have to be in its own little, you know, a different category. But beyond that, is there a specific play in basketball that you're like, ooh, if we could get one of those tonight, like that, that I would appreciate that as a broadcaster to hear myself, to see a highlight, what would that be? Uh, wow, that's a good call. 
Uh, alley-oops are kind of my thing. I can kind of sense a good alley-oop. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of important for a play-by-play guy. You yeah. kind of got to see what's going to happen as it's happening or maybe a slip, little bit before. So the alley-oop is kind of like my, my, my go-to. Um, I love, I love kind of trick plays, like faking one way backdoor cut, just a Princeton offense, like precision basketball. To me, that is something that needs to be kind of celebrated. Um, I love cool ball handling. We've got a guy in Terry Rogier who he's not known as being like the world's greatest point guard per se. You know, he's not like your standard issue nuts and bolts, you know, set someone up John Stockton with a bounce pass cutting to the basket. He is just make his own shot with his crazy dribbling ability. He's doing some funky God, sham God moves all the time and he's adding to it. And to me, that kind of gets me rolling as well. So I don't know if there's any one particular thing besides the alley-oop. But uh, I love the smaller things. I like, I'll celebrate anything, but I like to celebrate <laughs> the small things that sometimes people don't pay attention to. So a few years ago, I'm sure you were on the call for the game when the Bulls were down what felt like 30 with 30 seconds left. Uh. And and Zach Levine and Kobe White and all these guys just somehow brought the Bulls back. Levine has a steal, yeah. game winner. That was crazy. Do you have a story or a game in your mind? It could be any sport, any level, that's like, this is the craziest moment I've ever been on the call for. Well, to that game, I remember vividly. It was right around Thanksgiving. And I, I, I've actually, I don't listen to a lot of my stuff, but I went back and listened to that just because it was so crazy. I wanted to make sure we handled it okay. And no one would ever hear it because it's when it was a losing call. You know, you don't generally hear what the, you know, the losing team announcer says. But I firmly believe that that 45 seconds when everything just went to crap, <laughs> that was maybe the best 45 seconds of my broadcasting career. Like if we heard it. I was Trust teaching you. a course. We heard it. <laughs> if I was teaching a course, because, because play by play is not necessarily it's what you say, but it's when you say it, and it's how you say it, like the inflection of your voice, and are you following the action? And it should be like almost like you're just you're swimming along with the current. And it was in my sweet spot for some reason. And the minute I, I can't remember who brought it up, but someone passed it over. Kobe White passed it to Sadaransky, and Sadaransky made a three. And I knew it was going in before the ball went in. And so it just it sounded good. And then when the Hornets tried to inbound it, and it was a sloppy inbound, and it was loose trouble Levine oh no <laughs> it worked and so I if I was a professor of broadcast journalism and I wanted to teach play-by-play I'm not giving myself too much pats in the back but I've been in this business for a long time to me that was the best 45 seconds that I could have done that was that was good stuff of me capturing the moment even though it kind of ripped my heart out and I think two days later maybe three because I live here in Charlotte, every once in a while, you know, I get an opportunity to do a game that's relatively close. And I like to kind of do some college games every once in a while. Just to I see know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I had a chance to do Stephen F. Austin against uh, Duke. And actually, I woke up that morning in Miami because the Hornets had played in Miami the night before, flew home, changed, got in my car, drove to Duke, which is like two and a half hours. I was tired. I hadn't really thought much about the game. I didn't have my full voice. And I was just expecting this to be, uh, hey, you know, Vernon Carey Jr., pretty good player. Oh, let trade you out. And the next thing I know, it was a great ball game. And so Duke lost at home to Stephen F. Austin, and I needed to be totally on my game. So within a three-day window, I had two of the best broadcasts of my life. And, uh, yeah, I was jazzed. That was a good time. Eric Collins, Mount Rushmore, Fran Camp, 
<laughs> Zach Levine and Duke. Nathan Bain was his name. And Nathan yep. Bain for Stephen F. Austin, my guy. So to this day, whenever the Hornets are playing against the Memphis Grizzlies, if Desmond Bain does anything, just a little subliminally, I will say, Bain! <laughs> just when he's making a five-footer or something like that. That's just a little bit of a nod to, if anyone remembers that game, it's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a tip of the cap. I just love that you're so spot on about how no one really listens to or remembers the losing team's call, right? Unless you're so obsessed with the moment that you're just all over social media looking for every single clip and, like, you want to, like, bask in the opposing team's, like, failure, basically, right? <laughs> and as Bulls fans, I remember being like, this is the, one of the highlights of our season. And then Sports Center's retweeting and everyone's like, you got to listen to the Charlotte Hornets, the Hornets announcer of it. And it is ingrained in my head. The, Oh no, where, you know, what's happening before. Oh. It happens. That's just unbelievable. Cause like, even as like, you know, I, I played the game, Andrew played the game. Like we understand like the basketball gods, like shit happens that is not supposed to happen. And only people who have played the game know when it's going to happen. Right. Like maybe it's like, you know, saving the ball underneath your basket, like, you know that that's not going to go well, right? Or you get through, the team gets three offensive rebounds. Like, you know, the next shot they shoot, it's going in. Yeah. The, 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 the way that people are able to put that into words is just unbelievable. And I'll never, ever forget that, you know, as soon as, as soon as I knew we were interviewing you, the first thing I thought of was Zach Levine, Eric Collins. Like, that's the first <laughs> thing I think of always. I don't know. What, I don't know what Stacey King said. I don't know what Neil Funk said when when the, when he hit the shot. It wasn't. It actually was Lisa Byington. Oh, Lisa see, there Byington you go. was filling in that year or filling in that game or whatever. So it was Lisa Byington and Stacey King were on the call for them. And I remember it was like Lisa's first NBA game, and I was like, uh, <laughs> they aren't always like this. <laughs> you said I remember the famous line that I remember you saying is when someone makes a three, you just go, they won't go away. And it's yeah. like, you knew, you knew it was coming. Even it was Sadaransky. And I think yeah. he said, they won't go away. Always in the rear view mirror. Yeah. Yep. All right. My last, my last question for you is, do you have a go-to, like we listen to Stacy King more than anyone else. And he does like, do you know how to post videos to Facebook? Like, yeah. Give me the hot sauce. Late getting over early for the poster. Like, what is your favorite thing that you've said that you're like, all right, I, that one's pretty good that I came up with? Oh, geez. I don't know. I, I've, you know, what I've evolved over the years is, um, well, people down here in Charlotte know me because I, I haven't done it a lot, but in big moments over the years, um, I've said hum diddly D. That's kind of like my thing nowadays. But I haven't done it a lot this year. I just, it never pops into my head. But what we do a lot, just because I find it interesting, it's, I play basketball. And when I was playing basketball, but I wasn't playing, when I was sitting on the bench, which happened quite a bit, um, I would always try and come up with just stupid stuff, you know, shoots more jumpers than a rabbit hunter, you know, more rejections than Harvard Law School. And I started to come up with all these tougher than things. So that's kind of like my thing lately. You know, this guy's tougher than woodpecker lips. He's tougher than walrus gristle. He's stronger than 10 rows of onions, you know, stronger than your grandma's breath. So these little kind of stupid idioms have kind of become my thing because uh, I guess I don't have any Stacey King-esque, you know, things that I'm going to put on a t-shirt, but that's kind of like my go-to. So a couple times a game, we'll come up with some random reference and that's kind of my thing lately, what I'm into. 
no we we love that and we're we're uh honestly like we we just are obsessed with that sort of stuff i mean andrew does you know we've got another show where you know i played at ohio state and so we do a lot of ohio state basketball stuff and he gives nicknames to all the current guys all the former guys he just and he's and he's all about it so all that to say as we get closer to tbt don't be surprised if you get a random text from Andrew that's like, hey, I have a great one for Connor Frankamp. Or, hey, I have a great one for – Perfect. He, yeah, just so – so don't worry. We, we, will, we will give you plenty of input whether you like it or not. You know, Travis – I'll take it You know, Travis Diener? Oh, my God. He did a whole bunch of his games when he was in Marquette. Sure. Of course. I call him TD Ameritrade because I got stock in that guy. Nice. I like oh, TD Ameritrade. That's perfect. Yep. You perfect. You don't have I love to that. Him, you don't have to give him a sympathy nice. No, that actually is really good. It makes sense. It's got his initials. It's actually germane to what you're talking about. Yep. I like it. But I can never use it again. Because once and for someone else uses it, I, it's, you're, it's dead to me. I won't do it. You know? I can be your ghostwriter. No, no. It's got to come right here. That's it. I got to trust that it's mine. We said so, we gave something to Fran, and he's in, in the oh, next great, game. Money. Yeah, in the next game, he said it, and we were like, "Oh my God, we got a future in this. What are we doing here? <laughs> unreal, unreal." Well, Eric, we appreciate the time, man. This was a blast. We'll have you on um, here sooner once the games are going, and we'll definitely see you. So we'll we'll be around. Um, but but this was was awesome. I mean, clearly we're perfect all day. Um, we know you got to get out of here, um, but we we enjoyed it, man. This was awesome. See you, man. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. A lot of fun.